everybody, and welcome back to Hidden Tracks, Stories from BART. I'm Jay Sate, today's host, and I'm here with John Fitzgibbon, who is our master of scheduling. Uh, I know that's not your specific title, so why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's John Fitzgibbon. I am the manager of scheduling and planning at BART. Yeah, it's uh, pretty incredible. I've been down by your uh, desk a few times, and I uh, wish I could understand slightly more about what I see on your computer, but it's the magic that makes the trains run on time mostly or it gives the time it gives the trains a time to run on time too that's correct yes we basically plan for a schedule across the entire spectrum of bart's network we basically have lots and lots of constraints that we have to build into the process and um, it's my responsibility to make sure it all works that's uh, no easy task i'm sure <laughs> Not really. I mean, I'm fairly new here at BART. Started just before the pandemic and had to learn a lot. Uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. So you're here because um, starting pretty soon, uh, at least very close to when this podcast is going out, uh, we have a new schedule coming. Yes, we do. Uh, September 12th is the launch date for the new schedule. And uh, looking forward to seeing that. So the new September schedule, I know... Um, Really significant changes, but maybe not one that most people will be able to notice if they don't kind of already know about what might be happening behind the scenes, right? That's right. The schedule basically is mostly the same as February, what we're currently running today. However, uh, I took it to the next level. Basically, we cleaned up the schedule. There are a number of places in the network where uh, the frequency of trains isn't what it could be. And we also... Um, you know, based on feedback we're hearing from regional partners and from our customers, uh, built in some new things that are very new to BART. Uh, so I'm excited to see how those all play out. From what I said, it's a ground up. Like you say that it's not very different, but it's entirely different, right? I mean... Yeah, um, we started from scratch. Yeah. Uh, basically built the schedule from closing on Sunday backwards to 8 a.m. start time on Sunday. And the idea was to create a schedule that was more homogenous across the week, something that's new to BART. Um, BART generally got a completely different set of schedules, weekdays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And um, our regional partners and our customers have been telling us that they'd really like to see something a little more consistent across the week. More yeah. predictable. So. Uh, so I built the schedule starting with Sunday. We have the same schedule at night around 9 p.m. until closing time. So by building the Sunday schedule from the, the end of the day to the beginning of the day, I was able to then move that backwards over the week. So created Sunday and then created a copy of Sunday to create Saturday, added the, uh, the 6 a.m. start time on Saturday as opposed to 8 on Sunday, and then copied that Saturday in to become the weekday and then added all the other elements that we do on weekdays where we have 15-minute uh, headways across the day. Yeah, so that new process is going to, it'll be more predictable and more consistent. Right. So on Saturday and Sunday, we basically have the same exact schedule after 8 a.m. And uh, so, you know, we start out a little earlier on Saturday, but once we get to 8 o'clock in the morning, the schedule is exactly the same over the course of the day. So this gives our regional partners around, uh, around the Bay Area a consistent place to match their bus service, which is more limited on the weekend, to pulse with BART's service. That's Yeah, that's a huge benefit. I mean, yeah. I know that 
I've I've certainly gotten stuck myself waiting for transfers and things that are just like not quite as clean. And I know obviously right. you only get to handle Bart, or maybe depending on how you think about it or what day of the week it is, have right. to handle Bart right. rather than get to. Right. But we actually introduced this new schedule to our regional partners in April, so they've had it, and are and were able to build their fall schedules based on what Bart's doing. So. Um, I guess right right now the uh, Easy Transit, as an example, started their new schedule on Sunday, and uh, it's already coordinated with the BART schedule that will happen when we start up on September 12th. That's great. So yeah. you know it'll just be much cleaner transfers, and I'm sure that you have you know thousands and thousands of riders mm-hmm. who will maybe not specifically notice, mm-hmm. but they'll be like, oh man, I'm catching the BART train much more often now. Yeah. Or, so part of the uh, part of building the schedule to be uh, similar over the course of the seven days is the the core thirty minute headway that that is Sunday is actually cre- it actually exists on Saturday and it exists all the way through ter- during the week. So if you're used to taking a, a train say at eight o'clock in the morning um, from Antioch, that eight o'clock train will also be on Saturday and it'll be on every day of the week. So it's a way to really give our customers a more consistent schedule, uh, something that um, has not been really possible in the past. And, uh, and I think um, post-pandemic, we have you know, new ways of, of thinking about how uh, we want to present BART. And, and the regionalization of, of transit across the, the Bay Area has become a very hot topic as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I, just, I still can't get over, you know. You know, the, the idea of there always being a train at, like you said, 8 o'clock and then 8.30 and then, you know, on the weekdays having an 8.15 and a 45. It's right. just like four numbers to remember, right. you know, two that will always be there, then two for weekdays and right. just that reliability. I mean, I first heard that you were making the schedule change, you know, back in the very beginning of the kind of idea part. I think we sat down and talked a little bit and mm-hmm. like, oh, I can't wait. I'm like thinking about ways just like can you imagine the sign is just like hey here's when the train comes or you know schedules say you know zero zero fifteen thirty forty five just like oh that's so so easy it's just going to make it so much more you're going to be able to understand it a lot better I think yep that's so that's the plan uh, it's going to be exercised on september 12th and uh and so far it's, it's it's i've gotten some really good feedback um as a matter of fact i got a customer service question uh just yesterday about a BART writer that lives in Dublin and commutes to Richmond. And the current schedule today, there's quite a gap at uh, Bayfair where, this, where the transfer occurs. And so the customer said, wouldn't it be easier if we were to flip the orange and the blue line, both going to and coming from? And it turns out that the new schedule already did that. So when I reached out to the customer saying, here's what we've done, we took your suggestion and we did it. <laughs> um, not necessarily their, you know what they asked for, but we're actually delivering a schedule that they ask for. And so I'm really excited about that. So occasionally we get, we get some really good positive information. The customer was, was very uh, courteous in, in their request for you know, this service change, which is quite extensive. Um, they suggested, you know, here's ways you could do it and understood some of the fundamental considerations that we have to make. Um, uh, but it turns out that you know, we actually did what they wanted. And it's going to be delivered on September twelfth. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, I'm sure they're going to be for everybody who writes in. There are thousands of people who don't who will mm-hmm. just, you know, sort of stop grumbling maybe to themselves right. or will notice. You know, uh, I I ride pretty frequently from from down at Berryessa up to uh, 
the BART headquarters at, at uh, near 19th Street. And, you know, we were just talking <laughs> earlier as well about how right now, you know, one of the constraints is you want to try to produce even headways on every branch. So uh, that's, you know, even times between trains. That's not necessarily indicative of where they're going specifically. But right now in this schedule, I think due to other constraints elsewhere in the system, you're saying it's like 2 and 13 or something like that? Yeah. So um, that in addition to what I've already talked about um, as really important uh, priorities in building the new schedule, uh, the next very important priority is to even out how trains leave their terminals. And uh, we have green-orange on the south end of, at Berryessa, and then at Richmond we have uh, red-orange. And so um, currently our, our, the way the trains depart that uh, Richmond station, for instance, are not the best. Um, you may have two trains that are close together, and then you have to wait longer for the next train. And so on the weekends, when you have 30-minute service and you have two lines running on that service, the best outcome is 15-15. So you have a red line uh, going out, and then you have the orange line 15 minutes later, and then they basically just go back and forth. So in our current schedule, that's not really very good. So um, I spent a lot of time to engineer the solution so that we would have uh, much more even headways across the network. And the, the worst offender is on Saturday and Sunday currently in our, in our schedule, the orange line and the green line are, are 426. So two trains basically in a row and then a giant gap to get from Berryessa all the way up to Lake Marriott before you turn in to either going to Richmond or to the city. So uh, the, the, the new solution is that it's at 1218. So That's customers will be much, much happier with the way service is done down there. And of course, since... Uh, our regional partner, VTA, you know, um, is a part of the solution. We sent them our schedules uh, earlier, and they are able to match their bus buses so that they time better with our new schedule as well. That's great. I've been mm -hmm. stuck in that 26-minute at Berryessa before, so I feel <laughs> right. like I need to get you a drink now for fixing yeah. that. Or yeah. Maybe we'll go to lunch after this. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's something I learned early in my career to to do the best you can on what's called a cons uh, composite headway. So a composite headway is basically the headway of multiple trains that, that use the same uh, tracks and, and try to even them out as, as even as possible. It's a huge, huge advantage to be able to have even trains because especially right. like for a few of these trips, even if the train's not going directly where you're going, you'll be able to, to transfer somewhere else like MacArthur. Right. Which, you know, the, the time transfer is... How important is that is getting that time transfer in the schedule for like when you're building just you know not necessarily the September schedule but just any schedule from scratch? It is a very high priority, and we have processes in the development of the schedule that basically tell me did I miss something. It's kind of one of the first things we check. The way the schedule gets built generally is we start with the yellow and the orange line because of that uh, plan to meet at either MacArthur on on the southbound trips or 19th Street on the on the northbound trips. So those get built first uh, in order to make sure that the rest of the network aligns. We have, um, I counted up uh, this morning before we started here, we have about 18 very unique constraints in the network that have to be accounted for in order for the whole thing to work. Uh, and so it's it can be quite a, an uh, engineering conundrum <laughs> uh, to actually get everything to work just perfectly. 
So I'm trying to think if I can come up with any of those, if I can just take a guess at any of those constraints. And yeah. I have a feeling one of them is uh, a good friend, the Transbay tube. Yes, the Transbay tube is one of the, one of the most important constraints. We have very important um, timing issues that, that go through there. All of my instructions on these constraints with regard to uh, how far away trains can be from each other on the network at the same time comes from our, our uh, rail operations control center. So, yeah, with the Transbay tube being such a huge constraint now, I mean, I'd imagine that you're going to be able to pack in a few more trains once uh, the communications-based train control of the CBTC project is finished up. Exactly. Uh, we're, we currently have a constraint of 24 trains per hour, and uh, we'll be able to get up to 30 trains per hour that's, coming through the, the Transbay tube. That's going to be huge. Yeah. I mean, and I imagine it'll be the similar sort of 30 trains per hour on any two-track line. Right. Not necessarily just the tube. Right. Uh, yes, especially between Lake Merritt and Bayfair, uh, that's a constraint as well. And it's actually the constraint there is one of the, the longest constraints. We have a three-minute minimum spacing requirement um, uh, between Lake Merritt and Coliseum. Uh, and so it's very important that we meet all those uh, constraints. And, and talking about constraints, what's interesting is that there are so many intermoving parts at BART that if you change one thing, you'll actually cause this domino effect and a failure somewhere else. So once you set things, uh, you know, kind of solid, if you make a change, you may blow up some other part of the network from a scheduling perspective. So it's uh, it's a very interesting dynamic, and it's you know it, it's the way BART works. Yeah, it's a real real puzzle. I can imagine. You know, I've. Yeah. Uh, there's par- parts of my brain that are just like, man, I want to try something like this, you know, in a zero-stakes scenario, right? Yeah. If they had like a schedule BART game that yeah. you could play. Fortunately, we have some really good software that helps us out. Um, it has all kinds of uh, controls and warnings that, oops, this is not going to work. Uh, so it helps guide me. That's good. Considering what not going to work could potentially mean in the world of right. moving 10-car trains around at 70 miles an hour. Exactly. I'm glad there's some some warning there before uh, you, know, you really did check things out like that. Right. So when I introduced the schedule, um, because that schedule drives the, the automated part of BART's operation, uh, I know that it's going to meet all the requirements that our, our automatic train operation system work uh, does. I can handle it. Yeah, just need to make sure no two trains are scheduled to be on the same track at the same time. Right, and that actually that warning comes up and tells me if I've done that. So <laughs> uh, we try to avoid that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are there any times where you're just like, "This better work," and you get that, you get that warning, and you're just like, "Damn it." Well, yeah, it basically goes to um, you know the the very small you know micro changes that I have to make. It will introduce a new uh, warning saying, "Oop." You move that, you know, I move the, I move the network a, a single trip or maybe multiple trips six seconds at a time in order to hit the mark uh, to make sure that we don't violate any of our, our wow. constraints. That's, I mean, it's what, there's hundreds of miles of track. Yeah. And to have to schedule train movements down to six-second blocks yep. is... Yep. What, what is your, your most unexpected knock-on effect from that? Like, were you tweaking a train at Berryessa and all of a sudden SFO gets messed up or something like that? Or? Well, it, it's something like that. Um, it's not just the trains when they're moving, uh, we have to make sure. But we, when the trains get to their terminal, 
we have to make sure that they have enough time to turn around. Now, the trains don't literally turn around, but we have to have the time, the layover time, in order to make the, the next trip depart um, its uh, location on time. And so we may, you know, moving a, a, a trip or a number of trips one way or the other may interrupt our minimum layover time at the terminal. And so that'll just be another place where oh, that won't work, so we had to back that up. But for the most part, um, it's becoming a, you know, a, a really good process for me, and building a, a really high-quality, well-engineered solution is you know, now feeling pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah. And I know these new tools you've set up let you do a lot more experimentation than the old ones, right? So. Right. Yeah, in the past, uh, BART used um, fairly primitive you know, spreadsheets and you know, even before that, paper to, uh, to build the network service plan. Uh, but since then, um, since about 2020, uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, it, the new software system was, in, uh, was introduced into uh, BART's options. And uh, so it's the, the process is much more flexible. Um, we are able to make changes rapidly and get those changes out uh, to where they need to be. Uh, during the pandemic, we had a new schedule, it seemed like, every few months. The, the folklore now is that we did 25 years' worth of schedules uh, during the two years of the pandemic. And we're still <laughs> kind of there as well. Um, and uh, and without, without a software solution, uh, we could never have done that. And the software was introduced into BART's um, tools, uh, as a result of many of the other uh, maintenance programs that were currently under that are currently underway, in order to meet those requirements of having a changing schedule for single tracking and for all the other things uh, that we need to do to build a network um, and have a uh, you know uh, maintenance issues um, happening, we needed a, a way to do that fast and with a lot of accuracy. How do maintenance needs affect scheduling? So we have uh, regular meetings across the network, across the district, talking about what needs to happen, uh, what parts of the network need to be re-engineered, replaced, uh, fixed. And those communications we have weekly. Uh, we work with all those teams across the district and then, uh, as needed, build in special schedules for those things to happen and still meet our customers' requirements to the best that we can. Now. When we have uh, bus bridges uh, and shutdowns, we have to build a schedule to, to make that all work. And this n new software options really help us out to give us a clean, clean schedule. Yeah. I know that there's sometimes, I'd imagine that it's a, a bit frustrating when some maintenance need requires there to be uneven headways or something like that, I bet, right? Right. Yeah. And I guess the, the one that stands out the most is currently in the evenings. Uh, most people, if they're downtown in San Francisco, notice that we have a really awful 426 or 228. It's even worse. It's the worst headway in the system at night because we have to single track through the Transbay tube. Mm. Uh, there's a very important project that's coming to the end starting in September. That project is should be finished and we'll have uh, a nice 1416-ish uh, schedule in, in the evenings in San Francisco for the first time in a long time. That's great. So I mean, folks are going to really appreciate that. Even headways are just the goal everywhere, yeah, right? So, absolutely. You know, whenever whenever you see an, a really bad uneven headway like that, there's probably some external constraint somewhere. Right. 
You're right. Not, you're not just doing it just to make fun. No, right? not at all. Make it a, give give people a hard time. No, we get a lot of negative uh, commentary on why do these trains need to be next to each other. Uh, so we're we're doing a better job. And and a lot of maintenance programs, um, you know, they come and go. And fortunately, this is a very important maintenance program, the seismic retrofit of the Transbay tube. But they're finishing up that now. Better service, a better tube. It's like mm-hmm. it's a little little bit of pain, and you know, again, I've I, I've been stuck in that two twenty eight, and it's been like, yeah, I feel like I should talk to John about this, yeah. but you know, you gotta know, you gotta know why, right? <laughs> when the other two trains come by, and the other day, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, now and, and we we do get a lot of customer comments about that, and the the answer is always, this is why we have to do it. We're you know, yeah. we apologize, but uh, fortunately now. We can now say that we're going to be able to move on and, and have a much better schedule starting in, in September. What would you say the most satisfying part to schedule? Like, right, like the, the last piece of the puzzle you get to put in. It doesn't necessarily need to be the last, but like. Wow. Um, so th- there are lots of moving parts. And once the what we call the vehicle schedule is locked down, um, there's other things that happen after that. So I don't just build a vehicle schedule and then walk away. Uh, we then have to build a crew schedule, so it's what our operators use to actually say what they're going to be doing from day to day across a seven-day week. Uh, so that's very satisfying um, that we're able to do that in a way that gives us many uh, opportunities to improve. Uh, in the in the past, before we had a, a software solution, we could really only have one solution because it took so much time to develop it uh, and get it out there. Um, now we can actually run a solution about less than an hour, take a look at it, figure out what we need to change, turn the dials a little bit, run it again, and get a different solution. And uh, we can do that many times. And it, it gives our, our labor partners a better solution ultimately. Um, and so we're excited about that. And we've been doing this for a couple of years now, and we're getting better and better and better at it and, uh, and getting some positive feedback. So would you ever, you know, I'm trying to stay on the theme of like really satisfying things. Um, you have a, like almost like a model train set view of the whole system yes. in the scheduling software. Yes. So it is really fun. The first time I ran that. So basically I can select all the entire schedule and I can just say play on a map and it opens up this giant map and the trains just run like, uh, like automatically. And it gives you a really good visual, uh, you know, representation of what the trains are doing. I can run it at actual speed, which is very slow when you're looking at it from that perspective. (laughs) Or I can run it up to 240 times, so the trains are just zipping around. Um, But it's a really nice way to to tell, you know, if there's anything I missed, um, I can see things, you know, kind of a little bit out and, uh, and then make sure I double check that. There's no issues. I feel like half of me is like, I want to see this view. But the other half is like, if I had access to this, I would never get anything done. I'd just be sitting there just like watching completely mesmerized yeah. all day. Yeah. You have to like snap yourself out of that. Set right. a timer. It, it is, you know, I will sit there and, and watch it play. Um, it plays the entire day from, I think, our first train leaving in September is a yellow line train from Daly City at 4.40 a.m. And so from that time all the way to the end of the night, you can see how everything works. And, uh, and it is really kind of interesting to do. And there are different components of the network that are very interesting because of our plan meets um, at 19th Street and at MacArthur. You can see the trains coming together. 
But when, I think one of the most interesting places is both Daly City and the International Airport, Millbrae. There's a huge amount of activity going on in those places on the network. And, uh, and with this visualization of what's happening, you actually get to see it um, and, and, you know, f- sped up. But it kind of gives you a really good um, perspective of how complex uh, those, those operations are at those two locations on the network. I'm trying to think of, like, I could just get lost in the Oakland Y, mm-hmm. just watching all the trains slot in and out of different spots through right. Oakland, through from, you know, from Lake Merritt, from downtown, from the Tube. Exactly. I, I know I can't be trusted with that. <laughs> just like watching the rest of my day, week, month just yeah. vanish, looking, watching all the trains go around. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. So I know that uh, before BART, you were at a bunch of different trans agencies kind of all over, right? Yeah, I've, I've made my tour of North America. I've, <laughs> I've worked in Canada and, uh, and on the East Coast and Los Angeles and a few other places in between. Um, I... I guess, you know, that's just part of my career path. Uh, but for me, uh, arriving here at BART uh, about two and a half years ago, you know, it really felt like it was, I was in the right place at the right time. Um, and I'm very happy being here. Uh, I have an amazing team that I work with. Uh, we all support each other and uh, and, I, and are doing really good work. Definitely. I mean, it seems like just really good work. Even the September schedule alone seems mm-hmm. like really good work that you're doing. Uh, yeah. It's, it's felt weird for me being, like, so excited about a change that most people might not even notice. Right. But the hope is, you know, even subconsciously, they'll be like, the trains are running better. Yeah, the, the trains will be running better, and uh, I think people will notice. Um, the, this weekend schedule that we started the whole idea around uh, is really going to make a difference. I think people are going to see that and, and, like, wow, that was a huge improvement. So I know before, obviously – we're both in public transportation now, and everybody kind of takes a different path here. But for scheduling specifically, kind of what what made you think this is my this is going to be what I'm doing? Is it just like gotta solve these puzzles? Where you just like I can imagine your calendar before is just perfectly sorted out with mm-hmm. everything? Or well, I, I guess I have been a fairly organized person most of my life, um, but my career has actually taken a few twists and turns. Uh, I started my career out. Uh, in on the planning side, working for the Metropolitan Planning Organization in San Diego, um, and then I went off to uh, to operations. So in uh, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. So and I was there for 15 years and was really instrumental in making huge changes in the way business was done there. And ended up uh, in LA doing a similar project, uh, working on on this similar uh, software system. Uh, but bringing them into a new a new era. But then I had an opportunity to go on to the scheduling side, and uh, I was invited to a, a job uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, was able to kind of start something fresh. I fortunately had lots of uh, folks around the industry that were helpful in getting me up to speed because it was kind of, here's what you're going to do, and uh, I didn't have a lot of experience, but I made it work. And uh, ever since then, it's been it's become my passion. So, basically, at Bart, starting with a process that was still kind of on the old school side, it's been really fun bringing bringing Bart into the 21st century on a, from a scheduling perspective. Awesome, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting to see how much stuff that Bart's kind of recently overhauled and tried to improve. Um, one of the things I was going to ask is. 
of those different agencies we're talking about, as far as I know, BART's the only one with this much sort of automation. Does that make scheduling any easier, any harder? Uh, obviously, I know we don't have to really worry about like car traffic holding mm -hmm. up, you know, like a bus or a tram would. Right. Um, BART is fairly unique in, in the level of automatic trade operations that it does. Um, it actually does make the process from a scheduling perspective easier. I, I don't have to worry about other kinds of constraints that may interrupt what we need to do at BART. Um, in other places, you do have traffic and you do have all these other things that are happening, but not at BART. So from a scheduling perspective, it actually, actually simplifies the process. I'm sure, you know, a simpler process like that means now the other constraints just act more strongly, right? Like, right, exactly. You know, you now you have to make the timed meets. You have to make these mm -hmm. because nothing gets slush time due to being held up by somebody trying to make too many left turns. Right. So of everybody working at BART, you probably have the job that affects people most directly. And like every single person on the system, even if they just ride from, you know, Antioch to Walnut Creek, uh, you probably have more effect on their day-to-day -day than even the GM. So what does it feel like to just like know that you're able to give thousands on thousands of people 5, 10, 15 minutes each way, each day back and to be able to affect their, their trips so much? Well, that, that I do think about that. Um, and I'm very proud to be able to be that person because uh, I really do care. Um, my focus is as much customer service as it is safety and all the other very important things at BART. But um, I want my customers to have the best trip that they can in a schedule that works for them. And, uh, and to the extent um, my two-and-a-half-year tenure here at BART so far, um, this schedule for September is the first brand-new schedule um, that BART has done in a very long time, and my fingerprints are deeply ingrained in it. So... I'm excited. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what the feedback is uh, uh, in a month and, uh, and just really excited. We're, we also are doing some other things to improve um, our customer experience. Um, when you do a trip plan, you're going to start seeing new things that you've never seen from BART. So a trip plan will actually include the platform that you're supposed to go to for your trip plan. Um, so that's going to start. And then uh, the Trip plan destination information is going to match what you see on the, the DSS signs. Those are the visualizations at the platforms. So if you make a trip plan and you look up at the, at the sign, they're going to say the same thing, which is really the best practice uh, in order to get our customers to understand that they're on the right train going in the right direction. Do you ever have to say, I know like the trains can go 80, but we schedule them at 70 for wear and tear. Do you ever have to like knock them back up a few miles an hour to make something? No, I really don't have that ability. Uh, the, the, the trains are governed by a set of criteria that are not part of um, what I do. We have a standard set of how fast the trains go. We actually use time and distance, not really speed, but those both end up in to be speed. And so, you know, no, uh, it, I can't cheat. <laughs> no. No cheating. Okay, so it's all, all by the book. Which it's is all by the, the book, yep. Have you ever, in any of your jobs, you don't have to specify which, and it might not be BART, scheduled your own trip home to be most convenient to you personally? I, I actually have. Um, uh, when I was in Minnesota, I moved into a brand new uh, condo complex that was really far away from the nearest bus stop. And I noticed that there was a long kind of 
no stopping. This bus didn't have any stops the way it was routed and said, and I basically asked the scheduling department, can you move it this way? And then it comes right by my house and I can go home without having or go to work, not having a long route to walk. And uh, they actually did it. So, uh, so, you know, I influenced a, a, a bus route in those days. But yeah, that's and I and I have to say, you know, I live in in Oakland, uh, Grand Lake area, and I'd really like to see more yellow, orange or yellow, uh, red trains to the city. So to the extent this this schedule gives us about seven minutes apart all day long, leaving from 19th Street or MacArthur into the city. You know, it's good for me, but it's good for everybody. Yeah. Okay. So there's less. Yeah. I feel like, you know, if anybody ever gave me the keys to the scheduling software, I'd be like, I know I need to leave now. I, you know, <laughs> to get to work, I can, if I can move this train a few minutes back, I'll right. screech into work right on time. Right. <laughs> so I, I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for everybody else, but I, you know, I take advantage you of it to, as well. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's great. As, as somebody who rides the system, just right. being able to make sure that benefits affect everybody. Exactly. That's obviously got to be the first priority. Because yeah. I'm a big BART writer, so I, I'm happy with the schedule. So uh, I think that's just about all the time we have scheduled for this, and that was my best attempt at any scheduling sort of joke or pun I've been able to come up with while we've been talking, so I'm sorry I can't do any better. But uh, thank you very much, John, for being on. It's been a lot of fun talking about all this, and hopefully not getting too deep in the weeds for everybody else. So uh, if you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening to uh, Hidden Tracks Stories from BART. You can find more episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, or bart.gov slash podcast, or yes, wherever else you get your podcast. So uh, I'm Jay Sate. I'm John Fitzgibbon. It's great. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you next time.